Preakness means there are two episodes this week of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. The first is a pop-up with Las Vegas bookmakers and horse players, Chris Andrews, Johnny Vello, and Dwayne Colucci. They analyze all 10 horses in this weekend's race. The regular episode from Baltimore features Hall of Fame trainer Dwayne Lucas, Medina Spirits exercise rider Humberto Gomez, and Maryland Jockey Club TV host Naomi Tucker. Both episodes available now, vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get podcasts. It is sponsored by First Bet. This is vcin's Betting Across America. Welcome back. Thanks for spending part of your Saturday afternoon with us talking sports on the weekend. James Salinas from Denver, Adam Candy here in Las Vegas. And James, we want to get people caught up uh, on Preakness odds because we know they might be looking to get a little action down on the ponies on the second jewel of the Triple Crown. Most updated odds, Medina Spirit, the Derby winner, is the favorite at 9-5. to five. Concert Tour, another Baffert horse at 5-2. to two. Midnight Bourbon, who finished sixth in the Derby, is 5-1, to one, then get a little longer from there. Crowded trade at 10-1. to one. Keep me in mind, unbridled honor, risk taking all at 15 to 1. Rombauer, 12 to 1. Uh, France, go to de, Ina. De Let's see if I got that one right. Uh, 20 to 1 and Rain at 30 to 1. Uh, James, I don't have to ask for your favorite horses because I just saw at vison.com where you can find not only this information, but all sorts of other stuff on the ponies at vison.com slash horses. Our own Brent Musburger has his picks up for the Preakness. His top four picks are Medina Spirit, Concert Tour, Midnight Bourbon, and Rombauer. Uh, that is his value play. He says Rombauer won the El Camino Real Derby on a synthetic service to qualify for the Preakness, and his connections decided to take the free pass to Pimlico rather than shell out the bucks to enter the Derby. And, of course, we also have some very Brent wisdom as well. As a side note, Rombauer has been my favorite Chardonnay for years. I've been to the vineyard in Napa. Their corks actually say the joy of wine. The only problem is it got too expensive. The priciest Chardonnay I've ever seen. Maybe the best way to get a bargain on the wine is to find value on the horse. Rombauer at 12 to 1. Uh, uh, James, have you ever have you ever had the Rombauer Chardonnay? It's funny you say that. That was on the pregame show with Brady Cannon. He mentioned this. He mentioned the same <laughs> wine, and it was Karma too, where he's feeling like I think that's the horse I'm going to go with as well. Tells us how much we're ta- how much of our expertise when it comes to horses. And you know, it's funny during the break, I was trying to figure out all these playoff scenarios with the seating and the tiebreakers, all these different. I, I started to give myself a headache. It was like, well, man, I wish there was like mid morning bourbon on this list because that's what I feel like I need after trying. <laughs> to go through that exercise, but it's still midnight bourbon, so probably no bet at anything for this Preakness race for me. Uh, mid-morning bourbon is a race that's probably like the second at Santa Anita today. Like, you know, you just don't want to get anywhere near it. Mid-morning bourbon sounds like a horse you don't want to trust. Like, oh, you, you broke into it at 1030 in the morning? Yeah, I, I don't think I want anything to do with mid-morning bourbon. Let's get you some updates. You are talking about those playoff scenarios, and the NBA has three games live here at the moment. Lakers and the Pacers are headed toward the half. I have a little sweat left on my Lakers minus four and a half here as they're holding an eight point lead with 35 seconds to go in the first half, 62 to 54 over the Indiana Pacers as 
Uh, Lakers just need to run some clock, hopefully, as it's now down to six. It was 10 just a moment ago. Please get the last shot of the half here, Lakers, uh, if I could ask for that little bit of help. Uh, let's check the most updated lines for you here. Lakers are 10-point favorites on the live line, adjusted total up to 230 from the close at 226. As LeBron, good pass, Anthony Davis with the dunk. That should probably seal up uh, my first half bet there as the Lakers have a 64 to 56 lead bulls and the nets boy the bulls came out like a house of fire in this game and then the nets uh you know did what we expected the nets to do they're leading 61 51 at the break 13 point favorites 229 and a half the total trending right along with the pregame number uh nets closed at 11 in that one Knicks lead grew as large as 18 at one point. They head to the break with a 63-54 edge over the Charlotte Hornets. Catching nine and a half are the Hornets here in the second half, James. Uh, Would you have any interest in that one considering uh, the Knicks do not tend to be a team offensively that's going to blow anybody out? Just looking at the box score, I haven't seen this game, Adam, so I just have to go off the box score of what we see. Now, looking at the Knicks, they are shooting absolutely lights out, especially from three, 63% in the first half, 12 out of 19 from deep. Not usually seeing that from the, the New York Knicks, but yeah, they are hot from three, and it is the absolute opposite here for the Charlotte Hornets. They are shooting 30% from three-point range, seven of 23, and then collectively as a team shooting just a tick under 35%. I guess that's where we talk about regression and uh, are you going to continue to shoot as hot? Usually typically not. Are you going to shoot that poorly from the field for the Hornets case? Usually not either, but since I haven't been able to see the game, not really sure as far as the defensive intensity coming from the Hornets right now. Are, are the Knicks just lighting it up and they've got a hand in their face or are they getting whatever shot they want because there's not a lot of effort on the defensive end for the Hornets not having seen the game. Hard to Hard to gauge right there, so probably not going to get involved. I might take a look at it, if only because I have had a little look at this game, and a lot of those Hornets threes that they've missed have been open. The Knicks have not been getting out to the three-point line all that well. Might potentially be worth a look and maybe a small play in the second half. Two more NBA games just underway right now, and updating the injury report, uh, Celtics T-Wolves looks exactly like we told you earlier uh, with no Jalen Brown, no Kemba Walker, and uh, no Marcus Smart. And we're just getting started there with the T-Wolves laying five and a half in Minnesota against the Celtics. Updating the injury report for the Spurs. Everyone, can I just say that? Everyone is out for the Spurs. Uh, Anybody who was questionable has been downgraded to out. Uh, This is a classic Popovich game where he has decided not a lot to play for. I'll rest everybody up for that play-in game coming up next week. The Suns were 10-point favorites at close. DeAndre Ayton did end up sitting for this one, so they are without one of their starters. Suns off to an early bucket lead here, but... Uh, I think had we found a way into that game, James, we would have probably been on the right side with the Suns. Just obviously no value. The money line ends up closing at minus 650. Yeah, looking at the Spurs here, you're right. That That's where not only for rest and injury pieces here, they're they're locked into the 10 seed. So there's nothing there's nothing for them to benefit to to put anybody out there, especially if you're, if you're trying to – this grind of the season, especially post-All-Star break, Spurs team here, as, as, as many road games as they had to close out with, just a difficult schedule. So I get it from Popovich's perspective. Hey, we, we got our one game here coming up early, middle part of next week. Let's just get through these games here, not get banged up and see what we do 
do in a one-game play in such a situation. Uh, news on the injury report for that game we talked about with the Heat and the Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler had not been on the overnight injury report, but he has popped up with back tightness as questionable to go against Milwaukee today. Heat had steamed all the way to four-point favorites at one point. They're down to two and a half here at the South Point with a total of 230 and a half. That game is an 8-10 Eastern start. So keep an eye on the status of Jimmy Butler for the Heat. Would be surprised if he didn't go in a game of this magnitude, but entirely possible that he does not. Back over to Major League Baseball, where James has a couple of other best plays for the day. Royals and the White Sox. Now, this is a game that does have some weather concerns. Uh, there could be some rain in Chicago today, but two teams going very much opposite directions. Carlos Rodon has been outstanding for the Chicago White Sox, and ERA still sitting at a half a run on the year. White Sox minus 180, Royals plus 165, total of eight. Yeah, it's sitting out here. White Sox two dollars with get back on the Royals plus a dollar seventy, and wanted to get involved with the White Sox, and they're fight. They got off to a slow start. To, to basically, both these teams were just the opposite. White Sox get off to a slow start early in the month of April, and Kansas City Royals the complete opposite. Terrific month of April, and talk about regression. We knew it was going to come for the Royals at some point, and it came, and it came heavy. It came hard, losing eleven straight. They were able to. Split split the series, split the doubleheader yesterday against Chicago, winning that first game and stopped that 11-game losing streak. But I think they start another streak. They lost game two yesterday, and I think they do continue that again. I'm not going to lay $2 here with the White Sox, but I like this lineup going up against Mike Miner. Mike Miner's another pitcher that looking to fade. He, he pitched against the White Sox earlier a week ago, five innings pitched, five earned runs. He's only pitched six innings just one time this season in seven starts. I think they try at best to get five innings out of him, and that's where I went here. Another pitcher prop. Good good surprise, at least from, from this side, right, where I thought the number, I didn't think I'd find this, and I did find it sitting at Mike Miner, 16 and a half outs. I had to lay the juice, and that's kind of what we're seeing. The market starting to get more on in tune with where these pitchers are at now with their sixth, seventh, eighth starts of the season. Juiced at $1.25, but I laid it here against the hot swinging Chicago team. I, I think at he gets five innings at best. I don't see him basically at 16 and a half outs. You're going to have to work into and be given the ball in the sixth inning. I don't think that's going to happen. I think at best he gets through five. Maybe he doesn't even make it that far. So that's where I went. Mike Miner under 16 and a half outs, laying a dollar and a quarter. Like where your head is at on that one with the way the White Sox have been swinging those bats second in the American League in runs. They have the best run differential in the entire American League uh, this year. Not that that means everything in terms of the quality of the team, but in a situation like this, certainly something to factor in. Cards at the Padres. This is a game I've been taking a look at as well here, James, and I see you have it highlighted with Adam Wainwright at the on the road at Chris Paddock. Uh, cards gave it a run last night in the ninth, actually got over uh, in the ninth on eight and a half with that Nolan Arenado home run, and this has come down. Padres minus 130, cards plus 120. I saw this up around 130 earlier today with a total of seven. Uh, Adam Wainwright has had a renaissance season here, and Chris Paddock, I know, is a guy that we talked about uh, multiple times where uh, he has not really come back all of that strong from some of the injury concerns he had last year. 
not only from the pitching standpoint here, you talked about Paddock, his whips over at 1.41, his ERA is close to five. So consistency, he's getting, he's been eating a few innings here, but he's been taking a little bit of a beating as well so far this season. So yeah, not as sharp as what they were hoping for. I think that's basically the, the Padres in general, but yet they're still favored. And it's a small favorite I get. It's right now, it's sitting at $1.35. Get back on the Cardinals plus 110. That's where I took him. I actually don't have a pitcher prop here. I actually took the Cardinals for a full nine. Rarely do I take any of these baseball games for a full nine scenario, but here you talked about Wainwright, and I think the Cards went the opener route yesterday, so they're going to need Wainwright to eat some innings, and he's been doing that. His last four starts combined 30 innings pitched in those four starts, allowing just eight earned runs with five of those earned runs coming in one game against the Mets a few weeks back. So here with the Cardinals going against the Padres team, they've got injuries in that lineup. There's some COVID issues going on with Tatis and Myers are not going to be in the lineup due to COVID. I think Profar and Hosmer, they may be questionable just because of close contact. We'll see if they get in that lineup, but this is a lineup missing a lot of key pieces there going against Wainwright, who's pitched very well. I thought about first five, but I put myself in position because if it is tight late in the game, I don't really trust that Padres bullpen either. So I did take the Cardinals. I missed the better number, but I'll still take them plus the 110. Yeah, I like where you're at. The Cardinals was my look on this game as well. I haven't actually wagered on it yet, but probably will before this thing uh, closes out. A couple other teams that I wanted to get to in Major League Baseball. The Yankees visiting the Orioles here today. Uh, it is Domingo Herman against Lopez for Baltimore. Uh, Yankees minus 160, Orioles plus 150. Eight and a half in some spots, nine in others. It is slightly juiced to the over. Um, I would still give the over a long look here. And largely because the home run ball that had been eluding the Yankees for a lot of the year has returned. They hit three of them last night, two for Aaron Judge, and then Gio Urshela off the bench for a three-run pinch hit home run that ended up being the difference in the game. And Herman has certainly been prone to give up some early runs in this one. So I might take a look either at a full game or at a first five, considering the Yankees have that hot stick swing again there without Gleyber Torres, uh, COVID-19. My weight on this game will be to see if Giancarlo Stanton goes today for the Yankees. He did have to sit out yesterday with quad tightness, uh, 21 and 17 on the year for the Yankees. Uh, what do you think about how they've played here of late, James? Adam, I was looking at this game too, based on not the lineup. Now we know there were some issues with the lineup, potential COVID as well as the, the, there's a few injuries there too. So I see a few guys that are listed as day to day. You talked about Stanton and Urshela needed to check their status going into this. I was leaning towards the over because of the pitchers. These pitchers have been bet against for me with Herman as well as Lopez, especially now he bit me on Monday. He actually gave his best outing of the season against Boston on Monday and really shut them down one earned run through almost six innings pitch. Didn't expect that to happen. So I was looking at both of these pitchers, was leaning towards the over here, but I didn't want to feel like I was chasing something that I lost with Boston and Lopez on Monday. So I just stayed away. Yeah, the uh, the New York Yankees offense, even without uh, Urshela and Stanton, looking a little bit better of late. Not great, but the home run ball, again, is back for them. And when you look at that over as well, think about the fact that the Yankees' defense has been absolutely atrocious. They are a team that's going to be prone to give up some extra runs uh, to Baltimore. 
In Tampa Bay, it was 4-1 Mets, but the Mets are the Mets, and this game is now tied at four as the Rays in the bottom of the fourth inning have already sent this game over seven and a half total. Forget it. Long gone between the Mets and the Rays. Rays were minus 144 favorites at close. We're going to look at some NFL and maybe a little bit of NBA on the other side here on VSIN. is tonight and VEASAN has everything you need to get a betting edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash horses to find our full race coverage and picks from horse racing specialists. Plus get a special offer from our partners at First Bet. First Bet is giving $20 in free bets for all new users who sign up now using the promo code Vegas20. Also, everyone who redeems this $20 free bet offer will receive full access to VEASAN subscription products for free through the Belmont Stakes. Sign up now. You'll get analysis and wagering on every race with AI-assisted picks, secure payments, attentive customer service, and a reliable website. Go to vsin.com slash horses now for this special offer and expert analysis on the Preakness. That's vsin.com slash horses. Thanks for joining us. It's betting across America from vsin and vsin.com. James Salinas in Denver, Adam Candy in Las Vegas, it's always NFL season, James. I don't care if the draft is over. I don't care if it's just mini camps like we're going on right now. Uh, odds on the board already for coach of the year in the National Football League. What's interesting to me here is that there is not a lot of great value to be found. Not a lot of long, long numbers to bet. Uh, we're looking at the shortest number on the board being 12, the longest being 66. So not even really someone uh, that you look at and say, okay, I think that I will take a real flyer here down the board. But let's just start from the top here. What name, if any, jumps out at you on this list for Coach of the Year? I did dig down the board a little bit here at 30 to one with Ron Rivera. Now Ron Rivera's won it in the past. He's won it a couple times. So he has the pedigree to win it. I don't know if there's some bias there with voters knowing, well, he's already won it twice in his career. Do we want to give him another one? But in this case here with Rivera, I loved what he did last year. Talk about going into the Washington football team franchise cleaning up all the dysfunction that was there for years. And a lot of it started when uh, ch ownership changed a while back. But a lot of things that Rivera really had to change the culture of. Some of the things were out of his control when it came to uh, the, the franchise as a whole. But some of the issues and the attitudes in that locker room needed to be straightened out. And a lot of it starts with accountability. And that's what Rivera brings anywhere and everywhere he goes. We think of coaches as X's and O's guys. I'm not really sure if Rivera is a former linebacker, right? He's a defensive guy, but he's more about, we talk about leadership. He is what I feel like epitomizes leadership because he is somebody that is going to bring accountability because he is going to be the first one to hold himself accountable. And that's really then filters as an extension of how he handles and conducts himself filters down to the rest of the team. 
I, it was really amazing to see the transformation from a culture standpoint with that Washington football team over the course of just one season, especially when you didn't have really an offseason to work through much of anything being with your new team, your new surroundings, your new, you know, your new roster and players. I thought he did a phenomenal job last year, really cleaning house there and changing the culture of that Washington football team. We saw it play out in their performance on the field. We know that defense is very stout, especially up front. And now you move in Ryan Fitzpatrick to the quarterback position. Now, journeyman that he is, the one thing that we know, and you can appreciate this in Las Vegas, the dude's a gambler. He's not afraid to get out there and fire and that's exactly what was the opposite of what we saw from the quarterback position last year with Washington it's going to be interesting to see they do have a tough schedule Adam but I love what Rivera has done there and I expect they're going to continue off that momentum out on the field it's going to translate and then somebody lights Fitzpatrick who's not afraid he's going to make mistakes too but they've got some talent that I think has been underutilized there at the wideout positions that I now will I think will be uh, really utilized here because Fitzmagic has the ability and not a afraid to fire the ball down the field. I think we see a good thing. I, I like Washington football team to win that division in the NFC East. I think they're going to have a really good season, even though the schedule is tough. What does that mean for Rivera sitting at 30 to one? I had to dig down there. You talked about taking a flyer on something for somebody who's won it in the past. 30 to one seems like a good value. And it's a narrative award, just like MVP, right? Coach of the year is a narrative award. And the fact that Ron Rivera has beaten cancer and come back. And if this Washington team plays well, uh, the Renaissance story is going to be something that catches on. It's not going to be hard to see Ron Rivera doing it. Uh, The two that jumped out at me in terms of the middle of the board, Arthur Smith and Matt Nagy, both at 25 to one That Falcons team is primed for a comeback season here uh, with the additions they've made on offense. Matt Nagy. Look, if Justin Fields is any good, then the Bears are going to be better, and people are desperate for the Bears to be good. I will dig down to 66-1 to for a pizza money play on Zach Taylor. Look, Joe Burrow comes back. This offense is going to be significantly better for the Bengals. They have a brutal division to play in, but it's not going to take much for the Bengals to put up four or five more wins than they did last year and at least get some consideration down at that price. Not my favorite, but something I think is worth a look. More when we come back here on VEASAN. is today and the VEASAN horse racing experts are analyzing the horses, jockeys, track conditions, starting positions, and prior race results to find the betting edge when you play the horses every week or search the terms exacta and trifecta once a year. Our team is here to get you ready to make your best bet on the Preakness. Visit VEASAN.com slash horses to find our full race coverage, special offers from our partners, and picks from horse racing specialists including Dave Tooley, Ron Flatter, Jeff Siegel, Millie Ball, and Jeremy Plunk. That's VEASAN.com slash horses. 
Welcome back into Betting Across America with James Salinas in Denver. I'm Adam Candy in Las Vegas. Quickly updating you on the scoreboard from around the National Basketball Association. Hornets and the Knicks are pretty much right where we left them. It's still a nine-point spread. Knicks had spread it out for a little bit, but late in the third quarter, it is 73-64 Knicks, 10-point live favorites over the Charlotte Hornets after closing at five and a half. Lakers... 78-72 lead over the Indiana Pacers. They have LeBron, AD, and Dennis Schroeder in the lineup. They're nine-and-a-half-point live favorites with five minutes to go in the third. Uh, They had steamed all the way out to nine in some spots at close. Bulls and the Nets. Bulls have kept it close here in the third quarter, 2.41 to go in that period. 75-67 Brooklyn with the lead over Chicago. Minus nine-and-a-half are the Brooklyn Nets. Celtics at the end of one quarter. How about an 11-point lead for Boston? 37-26 as five-and-a-half-point dogs to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are favored by four-and-a-half at the moment. Total of 239 after closing 233-and-a-half. And the other live game is going exactly like we thought it would. Phoenix Suns have a 17-point lead on the San Antonio Spurs down in Texas at the end of one quarter. 34-17, 18-and-a-half live, 220 on the total, 226 was your closing number. James, the National Hockey League playoffs get underway tonight. You've got Boston taking on the Washington Capitals. Boston minus 150, Capitals plus 125 on the series price. And we've got series prices here for all of the first-round matchups. Now, keep in mind, the way we're doing these this year is that because everything was played within the division Uh, throughout the season, their first two rounds will be division matchups, one versus four, two versus three. Anything that you already wagered on, I know you mentioned that there were a couple of interesting prices to you. Looking at these series prices, and you just mentioned it, it's going to be different because these teams have played each other so many times. Now they're going to stay within their division the way that it was restructured due to COVID. The teams either played eight games against each other or nine games if you were up there uh, across the border in the Great White North. And I looked here a couple different prices. I usually try to find when we get into series, I try to see if I can find dog prices that I'm interested in or a dog that I think can win it outright and maybe I don't get involved right away, but find a better price as series prices get adjusted throughout the course of in this case it's going to be almost two weeks because we're going to alternate games when game day off game and day off so good for the players going to be able to have a little R&R considering how compacted the season was I was looking at the Hurricanes and Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Predators uh, Hurricanes dominated the, the season series 6-2 to two, but I think they're just by far the better team collectively but not wanting to lay it was 250 was the series price. I didn't want to lay a big number like that. Looked at a couple different alternate lines or alternate series outcomes. And so I found a couple that I I put a couple small plays on with Carolina winning the series. Gave the Predators a game. Figuring that uh, Carolina let's not hope they sweep because I'm going to bet the series price at either 4-1 to as the final or 4-2 to as the final. Both were plus 350. So I like that price coming back. So as long as I don't see Carolina losing this, I also don't see it going seven games. So as long as Carolina doesn't get doesn't sweep Nashville, I gave Nashville one game in this series. I took price plus 350 for both of those series outcomes at four to one and four to two. 
I like the way you're looking at that series because this is going to go one of two ways. Carolina is either going to blow them off the ice in this series or the Predators are going to win it because if UC Saros gets hot in goal and he has been one of the best netminders in the NHL through the second half of the season, then the Predators are going to win this series outright. But otherwise, getting that price on the Hurricanes to win in what seems like a reasonable amount of games makes a lot of sense. For me, there's one price that absolutely jumps off the page here. Maybe it's because we watch so much of the Golden Knights here in Las Vegas, but the Minnesota Wild plus 150 against the Vegas Golden Knights is a fantastic dog price on Minnesota. The top three teams in the West Division finished right next to each other, and there is a big, big difference in how they played against each other. Colorado owned the Minnesota Wild throughout the regular season, but the one team that the Golden Knights struggled with is the Minnesota Wild. There's something about that team that they have really, really struggled to play good hockey against. They had only one regulation win against Minnesota in eight games this year. To get that value on the Wild, I think, is outstanding in a series that is probably more realistically a coin flip or ever so slightly favored toward the Golden Knights. Uh, I like Minnesota in that spot. The one thing that I wanted to mention, if you're looking for teams, not only as Stanley Cup champions, but in these series, don't just look at the points they scored during the regular season. Don't even just look at the regulation overtime win stat. Go find out how many games these teams won in regulation. Because now that we get to the playoffs, there's no three-on-three hockey. There are no shootouts. You're back to seeing who is the best team at five-on-five. And so all of your numbers should be geared toward how did teams play five-on-five. And that is the key stat because three-on-three hockey is wide open. It's much, much different. And the team that was the best throughout the regular season in that number by a wide, wide margin, James, your Colorado Avalanche, uh, 35 wins in regulation, and they seem to be playing the best hockey of just about anybody. And have the president's trophy. And if everything will come through Colorado and come through Denver and down at the can, which is really not that far from where I'm sitting right here uh, in my bunker. So, yeah, I think for the abs, it's been as and even with the I think the covid situation kind of slowed them down a little bit. They had the break in the action late in the season, but restarted themselves and they are put themselves in a prime position the last time that the Colorado Avalanche won that President's Trophy was the last time that they won the Stanley Cup. So for whatever that's worth, but as far as this team goes, uh, a lot of buzz here in Denver, I can tell you that, Adam. And looking at that price point, the the price was here at dollar, at three seventy five for the series. It's up to 400 now at some of these places. Going to probably play a... P- Pay a premium here in Colorado locally for the home team. I think I'll probably try to find some alternate series prices like I did for Carolina, but I like the abs for sure. Not only to get past the Blues, but make a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There are only two teams that I would consider playing a sweep price on. The Avalanche are one. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the other. The Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the best hockey in the Eastern Conference right now. And I think Montreal is going to really struggle to keep up in that series if they don't get Jake Allen stealing a game for them. More in a moment here on VEASAN.
raises the stakes for MLS action like BetMGM. Sign up for the BetMGM app using code VSIN100. And if your first wager is a $1 money line bet on the New York Red Bulls or Philadelphia, you'll get $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. If you're betting in Pennsylvania, you'll get $100 in free bets if the team you bet on wins. Download the app today. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan dissociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789. The promotional offer, not available in Nevada. Welcome back to Betting Across America as we bring you home here on a Saturday afternoon. You can join Brady and Wes in the green zone coming up in just about 15 minutes with all of your live bets and in-game betting opportunities. They, of course, will talk you through golf as well. The hosts of the Long Shots podcast as they are with Byron Nelson uh, getting us set up for the PGA Championship upcoming in the golfing world. James, we've talked some of these NBA props on what these teams will do in the playoffs in past weeks. But now that we have a little bit more clarity as to where teams are going to be, as in not in the play-in round, we've got a few more that we just added to the list here recently. And those are in the Eastern Conference, the teams that are going to finish in the 4, 5, and 6 with the Atlanta Hawks the Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks as they are listed right now. And that is where they're sitting here at the moment. The Hawks with a half-game lead over both of those teams for the number four seed. Knicks and the Heat are both tied 39 and 31 in the five and the six. And let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are 66-1 to to win the whole thing, 40-1 to to win the Eastern Conference Losing the first round, even money. Losing the semis, plus 105. And losing the conference finals, plus 650. It's been a very different tale of two seasons here for the Atlanta Hawks after Lloyd Pierce uh, in the coaching change and the Hawks have played much better here in the second half of the regular season. As we talk about all of these for the Hawks, the Heat, and the Knicks, how much of it do you think is matchup dependent based on who gets into that 4-5 and who falls to the 6 and has to play Milwaukee? I think it's absolutely matchup dependent, especially really to me, it's going to be where do where do the Miami Heat land? Do they land and end up, let's just say it's the five spot and they don't have home court advantage. I think for a team like Miami, that's inconsequential in this first round if they end up playing the Hawks here and the the lack of experience for this Atlanta Hawks team. And yeah, the, since they made the coaching change and McMillan reluctantly took over as the, the leader for that team, you know, that Veteran coach, been around the league for a long, long time, and 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 knows really knew the team and knew the roster, so knew really how to best where, where players were best suited. And Atlanta, to their credit, we talk about some of these teams that had injuries and COVID issues. Atlanta was another team that had a 
ton, especially when it came to injuries, some really long-standing injuries on this team. They are starting to get back healthy. I know DeAndre Hunter's starting to see the floor again after uh, a neat midseason knee surgery. He came back a little too soon. But the Hawks now, you get in the playoff basketball, completely different animal. It's especially you get in that second half, every possession is valuable. So you're not going to be seeing the the you know the the one pass and shoot it up from 30 feet like we've seen. And we know Trey Young has tremendous range, but you're going to have to learn how to play a different style of basketball against the Heat team if that ends up being the matchup. I don't know about this here. I think you would probably see the Heat. I would suspect, let's say it is 4-5, and the Hawks do have home court advantage, Adam, but they do face the Heat in that first round. Kind of feel like the Heat would be the favorite there, and you might get a better price on the Hawks as opposed to the plus 100 here to lose in that first round. Maybe you get a bet. Maybe you get plus 130. I'm, I'm not sure what that number would be, but I really suspect that the Heat would be the favorite in that matchup. And if that is the matchup, I don't like the Hawks to advance past the team like the Miami Heat. And what's interesting here is when we look at these bets in particular, it's probably going to be more advantageous in some circumstances to bet it round by round because if you bet it and say, okay, lose in the conference semifinals, you essentially are trying to win two bets here, right? You're trying to win a yes in the first round and no in the second round as opposed to just winning that one bet on the series and not, and you don't have to buy in on the second series if you don't want to. I do think it's interesting to look at the heat numbers, though, which we hadn't put up on the screen here yet. Uh, 30 to 1 to win the title, 22 to win the Eastern Conference, and then lose in the finals. Minus 120 to lose in the first round, plus 125 to lose in the semis, plus 900 to lose in the conference finals. It's that 9 to 1 in the conference finals, James, that I do find a little bit interesting just because of the fact that we know this Miami team, we just saw them against the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a very different team than the Nets or the Bucks, We just saw them go in and win a key game against a pretty full-up Sixers roster. I don't hate the matchup for the Heat against the Sixers the way I would necessarily against a team like Brooklyn that can put points on the board. That's exactly where I was looking to. So it's, the key is going to be where does Miami get seeded? What if Miami is that sixth seed, and do they play Milwaukee or do they play the Nets? Now, we saw how they handled Milwaukee last year. So if they end up having to play Milwaukee in that first round, I like their chances there. What if they end up having to to, to go against the Nets here? I, I think, or, or excuse me, not the Nets, but if it is Milwaukee or if it's the Nets and they fall to third, maybe I don't like their chances as much trying to defend the three-headed monster that I suspect is going to be a tough out once they they finally get healthy and get acclimated on the court together. So seating is going to be key there, but I do, as I, to your point, let's say it is that five. We talked about the scenario with them playing, with the Heat playing at the Hawks. I like them in that in that situation, as well as we know the 76ers are locked into that number one seed. That's where it would fall. The Heat would end up playing the Sixers. I do like their chances to be able to beat the Sixers in that scenario, too. Now at plus 900 uh, to, to move on and then lose in the conference finals, if you're going to play the Nets, I don't like their chances as much against the Nets team that I think has just so much firepower uh, that they're going to put some of those younger players in bad positions when it comes to 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 their defense because they're not going to be able to zone a team like the Nets. You can't zone them. They, they, they're they going to be able to shoot the basketball. You can post up Durant at the high or low post. I think it's a tough matchup for the Heat to get by the Nets, but if it shakes down that way, they get that five seed and end up moving through the Hawks, like you said, moving through the Sixers and play the Nets in the conference finals, I think it's a tough matchup, plus 900. You're not going to get that to that point 
when you get to the conference finals. The Nets will not be a heavy favorite like that unless you're trying to roll over each series price from the first round to the second round. Team we have not mentioned specific to the numbers, the New York Knicks, and obviously in that sixth spot as they are right now and likely to stay in that sixth spot without a little bit of help, uh, they get much, much longer odds in the first couple of rounds based on the fact that they are most likely to see Milwaukee. They are minus 200 to lose in the first round, plus 165 to win that first round, lose in the conference semis. And then 10 to 1 to lose in the conference finals, 50 to lose in the finals, 80 to win the entire thing. Uh, I'm a Knicks fan. I like watching the brand of basketball they're putting out there right now, James. But uh, I don't really particularly love any matchup for them unless they get the Hawks maybe to get to that second round and lose in that second round. Because I think against the Heat or the Bucks, uh, the Knicks want to play a grinded out style that I think both of those teams are going to be better suited to do. I agree. That's that's a tough. The the seeding is going to be key here as well. I, if the Knicks are in that sixth seed, I don't like them to be able to advance to that ne- to that second round in the playoffs. But to your point here, what if they are that five seed and play the Hawks, whether they have the home court advantage or not? How do you think that I, I, I still have to really break that down and really try to figure out how would the Knicks match up with the Hawks, both young teams outside of the fact that we we've seen Derrick Rose and coming off the bench and really given significant minutes these this last what month, six weeks of the season. He looks very I mean, he's not the same Rose that we saw coming straight out of college and how athletic he was gone through a number of injuries but he's looked he's got a bounce in his step i've really liked what we've seen once rose has come over to this knicks team especially these last six weeks and there's a veteran presence that has been in tough playoff games that knows you get down in the fourth quarter a lot of times adam it comes down to somebody just sets break down or you don't even have a set it's either a ball screen or give it to our guy that can break somebody down off the dribble and make a big shot and derrick rose has that acumen to do that when games get tight in the fourth quarter in the playoffs i love what derrick rose brings to this team because you have an actual point guard rotation that you can throw out there on the court for the knicks Uh, over the last 10 games the knicks third in the league in defensive rating keep in mind who they've played in that time frame the jazz the suns a lakers team with anthony davis uh, back on the floor the knicks defense is going to give them a very good chance against a team like the hawks that doesn't run as deep right a team that has to rely on trey young to do a lot of the scoring for them i think if you're going to play anything with the knicks it's going to come down to your evaluation of R.J. Barrett. Uh, R.J. Barrett, as the second option to Julius Randle, has been key for them throughout the year, but he's really faded down the stretch. Had a nice game uh, last time out for the Knicks, but if you think R.J. Barrett matches up well and you're talking about R.J. Barrett potentially against the John Collins kind of player, uh, do you think that that can get the job done offensively for the Knicks? I think that's where you have to figure out what you think of this New York team because they're not going to be able to score in bunches. They don't play that kind of game. Uh, You obviously look at this New York team and you say Tom Thibodeau knows how to play defensive basketball in the playoffs. That said, uh, against the Heat, I don't think that the Knicks have the firepower even in the half-court set to keep up with Miami and obviously don't love the matchup uh, with Milwaukee. even if the Bucks just decide to play Giannis and nobody at the offensive end, the Knicks are going to have trouble defending him. They've always had trouble defending Giannis 
in the half court. Stay tuned for the Green Zone coming up next here on Visa and James, and I'll be back tomorrow for more betting across America. Good luck with your Preakness bets here as you get ready for the ponies coming up later today. Thanks for listening to our show here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network.